0: Birthday?
1: Not personally, but like okay. I've met people before where, like, oh, I had my, my birthday's on Leap Year, by the way. And oh. like, you know, people make a joke and they just, like, oh, yeah. And like, they just giggle it off, but like, they know, like, wow, yeah. what, what a really bad joke. But uh special show here today um, alongside you guys, Max and Isaac. Uh, we're talking about some Oregon baseball, Oregon softball, return to the Jane today in their home opener. And then we'll end off with some basketball. Austin Note is going to join us later live from Matthew United Arena to preview the Cal matchup tonight. That tip-off is going to be at seven o'clock, so stick around after Quacksmack uh, for what should be an exciting matchup of the Cal Golden Bears. But uh, how are we doing tonight, boys? I don't think I asked that question. How we before we get into anything?
0: I'm uh, feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I mean, we're, good. We're we're on the back half of the term. This has not been a bad term for me. So not too bad. Not too. bad. A little bad. bit
1: long. A little bit, you know, especially with the weather. We like, got
0: through a big exam today, so like oh feeling God. feeling pretty dang good about it, that it, moving it, forward.
1: It, it caused some nerves, but once once we got through oh yeah. it it's over. What about you, Isaac? How are I've, we doing today? I've
2: got like three projects due in the next two weeks. Oh gosh. Including two gateway, one factor fiction that me and so one project for factor fiction. It's so crazy. I have, so a cla- we'll have I have to... a class
1: with both of you guys. Like that's, that's so wild. <laughs> I don't think that's happened before. Like I've had two people on where I've had classes with both of them. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's, if you're a J, if you're a J student here at the SJC, I mean, it's, it's more project heavy towards the end of the term. Project and paper are like the two P's that everybody hates, but that's that's usually the case for a journalism student here.
2: It's so weird how it just kicks up at the end of the term, like it just autom- it just randomly just like gets going, and you just have like three things doing like the matter of ten days. You know, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, and that's the the beauty of procrastination too is that, you <laughs> oh, one hundred Even though it's definitely. three things in in ten days, which seems like a lot, you end up doing three things in one day, and it just you know you still get by. So, <laughs> such a good time, the life of a college student, as many of our listeners will. Some of our listeners may know. Not sure who, who listens to us, but if you are listening out <laughs> there, appreciate you tuning in on eighty-eight point one tonight. Thank you for
0: spending your thir- thank you for spending your leap year day. Exactly,
1: with us. leap year always such a special day. We're here no matter the holiday, uh, Valentine's Day, leap year. We're here for everything. Oh yeah, we are. Uh, but now let's jump in some Oregon baseball because they had a very good weekend in their home opening series over Lafayette. Took down, it was a clean sweep Friday through Saturday to play a doubleheader on Saturday. The Ducks combined for 51 runs over the course of four games. The bats were just so hot. Same thing with the pitching as well. Only three runs allowed on Friday. Combined eight runs on Saturday's doubleheader and then two runs on Sunday. Really, I mean, it was just a very good weekend overall. It's really funny because, like, we look at the scores of these and things like, wow. Really, really good games overall. And then you ask a guy like Mark Wazakowski, the head coach of the baseball team, B performance. B performance. That's exactly what he said on Friday after their 17-3 to game oh, yeah. over Lafayette was, yeah, you know, it's all right. It was a B performance. Like, it's so crazy to did think. Them,
0: did some things well, some things not so much. Yeah. A lot to improve on. The
1: expectations for this team have just skyrocketed, especially for Wasikowski. Like, he knows that even though his team went off this weekend, he knows that they're not exactly on, a, on the level that they need to be at. From last year, and I think that's it's partially a good thing. You know, obviously you want to celebrate you guys a little bit, but you also want to keep that intensity up. And I think that's exactly where the the Ducks are at right now through the first two series of the year. Uh, what stood out to you guys from this weekend? I mean, obviously the bats were hot, the pitching was really good, but what, what what side of the plate really, like you know, stood out for you guys?
0: I think for me it was the pitching, just because we had there were some guys that struggled in the first weekend in Texas at the Shriner Children's College Showdown that just really showed up, like Kevin Sider, Toby Twist. Those are guys that had a couple shaky innings against Texas Tech and against Baylor in Texas. And then they come out against Lafayette. Lafayette is the weakest team Oregon's going to play this year. It's the weakest lineup this pitching staff's going to face. But still, these guys come out. Kevin Sider had, had 11 strikeouts in six innings on Sunday. A guy like Grayson Grinsel, he has 10 strikeouts in the first half of the doubleheader. So the pitching staff was very dominant. We got two double digit strikeout performances from starting pitchers. The bullpen looked really good. And. It was just it was it was really nice to see the pitching staff stay solid, really solid, against a lineup and team that they really were supposed to be as dominant as they were against.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna agree emphatically. I really think that um the main thing that they showed in this, this weekend and against Lafayette is that they they can dominate when they need to and really kind of put just put teams that they should beat really badly out of the gate. And not only that, but um, find multiple ways to win. It can be, you know, giving up two runs, and I think it was the third game or or fourth game, one of the two. But um, with, you know, they can pitch those kind of innings um, and those kind of games where you only give up two runs, but also then hit seventeen runs in a different game. So it kind of shows that this team is just very diverse and has multiple ways of winning, and that's really going to set you up going on, going uh, forward into the rest of the season. And, you know, looking for more of that when you play a tough team, if maybe we can get a little more of that in finding multiple ways to win instead of just having one.
1: Yeah. And I I think coming into this weekend, too, I mean, Oregon was clearly the favorite. You know, Lafayette didn't really get off to a hot start. They haven't really been, uh, you know, haven't had a winning season. they're 0-7 to start this year. Yeah, they're 0-7 to start the year. They got beat badly by long Tennessee State uh, to start the three games to start the year. So, I mean, Oregon, especially at PK Park, they were definitely the favorite to win this one overall. But I think like you said, having the different ways of winning is gonna be key for this team because as we saw it last year, the offense was definitely the key to winning. Like yeah. the offense basically kind of bailed them out. In in particular, every single the game, long ball. In particular the long ball. Especially I mean, we saw it in the super regional that eight nothing game, you know, the pitching didn't do them any favors. It was the offense that had to have them come back over Oral Roberts in game one. But this year though, it looks like it could be a two way street where pitching could come up clutch for them, hitting come up clutch for them. Like it really wasn't the case last year. I know it's only through the two series so far, but, I mean, this team is looking really, really good. And I think with the, the pitching questions that came into here after, no Isaac Aon, after he was announced that, um, you know, he wasn't going to be the uh, with the team this year, I definitely think that Grinsell and Gordon have stepped into that role immensely. And now you look at the guy like Kevin Sider, too, who's getting his recognition. He did really well on Sunday, and now he's earned his opportunity to to start again on Sunday. It's going to be Gordon on Friday, Grinsell on Saturday, and then Sider – on Sunday, I mean, you know, is this a rotation that you guys think is going to be the rest of the year, or do you still think see some changes coming through uh, the next couple weeks? I, th-
0: I think I think Wazikowski is definitely. He, you got to think he's really open to switching around the rotation in any given weekend, depending on the teams that they're playing, the lineups they're playing. But this feels this feels right moving forward right now. R.J. Gordon, he looked lights out. Like when when he when you don't pitch for a full year, upwards of a year, year and a half, there's so many just default questions that are going to pop up when you make your first start again no matter who you're playing a team like Lafayette or a bigger team in Texas no matter who you're playing RJ Gordon makes that start at PK Park the Friday the Friday game against Lafayette he came out had a great game and just looked super confident that was one thing that was super important for him is just to get the confidence and to get the command back after not pitching for year year and a half so I like RJ Gordon as the Friday guy right now I think Grayson Grinsel is right there. I think, like. I mean,
1: yeah, especially. It's surprising, too, that he's not starting on Friday because after his 10th strikeout game on Saturday, I mean, Woznikowski literally said that he looked like a Friday guy, which, I mean, you know, obviously things can change in a matter of a few days. But with the way that things were going, it almost looked like he is, uh, you know, he was going to be the Friday guy. But, I mean, you know, Saturday is still important. I mean, you got to go out and win the series. And I think those first two games are going to be critical. But back to what you were saying.
0: And another, like, and the game three, like, last time when we were on. When we were on Quacksmack two weeks ago, we talked about how game three is gonna be a huge a huge deciding factor for the whole season for the Ducks because of how hard they struggled in those games last year. Like the Ducks could come out game one, beat a team ten enough, beat a team by ten runs, come out game two, beat a team by five or ten runs, game three, they get worked because they don't have the pitching staff and they don't have the pitching staff pitching depth to have a good game three. But with guys like Kevin Sider, with guys like Toby Twist, you're gonna have good arms in that bullpen and in the bottom half of that rotation that are going to fight for that Sunday start. And I think we can expect to see a lot better Game 3s from this team than what we saw last year.
2: Yeah, I, I, you actually touched on what I was r- going to talk about, and that <laughs> was in that third game with, uh, is it Featherston? Is our, Ryan, who's Featherston? The freshman, Ryan, Ryan Featherston. Ryan Featherston yeah. who was yeah. the he looked really good. Freshman, freshman pitcher, came into that third game in those last couple innings and ended up having five strikeouts. Um, and, you know, Oregon had the lead at that point, but I feel like that is such a tough spot for a freshman and for him to come up clutch in those moments. I feel like that is such a huge and just a, a great, a, honestly, a win for this Oregon team going forward because he's going to be a huge X factor um, in this pitching rotation for this Oregon team. And you said it, you know, um, Kevin Cedar was really impressed with his performance this weekend, but definitely Ryan Featherston, the freshman, going to be someone I'm looking, uh, looking and watching very closely going forward, Yeah, as you said, to kind of complement that pitching depth and that rotation. Work. I mean,
1: you know, f- between Grayson and Gordon right now, at least for me, I think it could be interchangeable. I, I think if you throw one of these guys out for either day, it's not going to matter who's going to start. They're going to give you kind of similar performances, as we saw this past weekend. Cider on the Sunday, you know, it's still up in the air, but I think he's definitely deserved to have that second opportunity. Uh, the real surprising thing for me at, so far this season has been Logan Mercado at the bullpen. I mean, I didn't see that coming, especially after last year where – he started, he was the Saturday guy for ultimately yeah. the the back half, end of the year, and he was really good, too. After
0: he, Isaac Aon got hurt, in my mind, he was going to be the Friday guy, just because yeah. R.J. Gordon was a big question mark.
1: It seemed like it was going to lead to that, just because Gordon, you know, he hadn't played last year, Grinsell, you know, he was, a, he was a freshman going on sophomore, like, it seemed Gordon had the most, well, he does have the most experience, but it seemed he had the most experience starting that kind of led him to be that Friday guy, but... Out of the bullpen this year, I mean, he's only had two appearances, but he's looked really good. And he talked about earlier this week in his media availability that it's kind of nice, actually, to not know when you're going to come in and just creates that mentality of, all right, you know, it's a possibility whenever, so he's got to be ready. And I think, honestly, like, that could be a spot where, you know, that that's his bread and butter, honestly. He's only given up one run this year and two appearances. And I really like his stuff. I, I think that – I think, like we said, we came in this – This season with kind of the preconceived notion that he was going to be a starter just because of last year but you know things end up changing and now he's going to be in the bullpen which uh, honestly I think going forward is going to be a a really really good spot for him he he might be the closer we'll see at this point I mean Ducks haven't really been in in too close of situations up to this point but you know I I think he could be a guy that can come out of the bullpen and kind of be that setup or even ninth inning specialist
0: yeah I was gonna say like I think as of right now, he feels like <clears throat> the team's favorite closer. He's got to feel like Wazakowski's best guy to put at the end of the game. <clears throat> and in Game Three, he came in and he had, he really struggled in the third game of the series. I think the Ducks won the game seven to four, and it got really close at the end of the game. He came in to close it. He loaded the bases. I think he walked three batters. He might have hit. He might have walked two and hit a guy, but he loaded the bases. He put himself in a jam just because it was his, it was it was it's his first appearance at PK Park. It was a four-run game, ninth inning. He just looked very shaky to come out and start his outing in that inning. But he locked it down from there. He loaded the bases. I think he struck out two, maybe coerced a fly out to end the the game, and it looked clutch from him. Like, obviously, you don't want to see him come into the game and struggle, load the bases, give them a chance with the go-ahead run at the plate. But for him to do that and then proceed to lock it down after that just shows that he can come into the game with – Potentially the base is loaded in the ninth inning, one or two, three-run game, and he's a guy that you can rely on to shut the door. And I think him as the closer moving forward feels – feels right to me and I'm really excited to see how he plays in that role and if Wazakowski keeps him there or moves him to what you said the setup guy even
1: yeah I'm excited for this rotation I think that this the the pitching is definitely a little more solidified than it was two weekends ago I think these last two weekends have have really done wonders for this team even though it was you know it was a tough game three back in Texas against uh, Texas Tech I thought they still played really good and then I think this weekend was just kind of a way to see how guys were going to be able to respond um you know, Obviously, they weren't put in those situations where it was a close game like they're probably going to have in conference play. But, I mean, a rep's a rep against a, a team like Lafayette, yeah. and I think those were, were really good reps. And now the Ducks turned their attention to University of California, Santa Barbara. I always get mixed up with that. I say USCB. Yeah. It's UCSB, which I I don't know why. I keep getting that mixed
0: up. When I was looking for the statistics for Santa Barbara earlier, I typed in USCB. There's I so many that.
1: UCs in California. Like, I just I, – I, I don't even know how many. I, I'm not going to list those off. I'm not going to get in this conversation. I, I, had, <laughs> I, I, had, I had an argument with uh, Austin Oda because he's uh, from California and too many UCs. Too I many just, UC schools. I just can't, just can't do it right now. But the Ducks are going to be taking on UC Santa Barbara this weekend at PK oh, Park. The series got moved back to Eugene, actually. It was originally supposed to be played in Santa Barbara. But the thing is for UC – they don't have a field. <laughs> yeah. So, it's so, pretty did, pretty hard to play baseball.
0: They don't have a field at all. Or their field is just really bad. Their
1: field is really bad. And I okay. think uh okay. I think they're in the transition from what I've heard. They're in kind of that period of where they're trying to get a field, but uh-huh. the one that they play on is is not exactly well maintained. And also too, it just rained a lot in California, which is yeah. not ideal. So they have like a regular regular grass field and you know, obviously Oregon with the turf, it's easily be right. it's easily playable. So, uh, you know, it's good for the Ducks. They don't have to travel, but for them, UC Santa Barbara still, you know, it's not a, a bad team. I think this is definitely a oh. step up from Lafayette from last this weekend. Is huge. The Gauchos they haven't really had a good season so far up to this point, Three and four coming into the Oregon series last year, though they swept Oregon at PK oh Park. Gosh. It was just not a good showing for the Ducks in the second series of last season. It really wasn't close in all three games. Maybe the last game they lost four to one, but they lost six to two in the first game and then ten to nothing in the second game. So. UC Santa Barbara, I mean, they've had Oregon's number since last year, and this is a team that you really don't want to mess with. But what What do you guys think about this weekend? Isaac, we'll start with you.
2: Um, you said it, you know, uh, big. Honestly, in the last uh, – I looked this up and did a little bit of research. In the last five uh, games at PK Park where the Gauchos have come here to Eugene, played here, um, the Gauchos have won five straight. So – kind of had that recent success of winning here in Eugene. So not sure if the home advantage is playing into Oregon's favor or the, the ducks favor here, but um, with that stat, but maybe it will, we'll have to see. Um, I think that one thing to note was last season when these two teams played um, UCSB had one of their best performances of the season against Oregon. And it was like a dominating, like 20 to three, 20 to three win. Um, it was one of their best games as a team and the Gouchers are coming off of a really tough loss against, uh Pep- it was Pepperdine. Yep. And oh, yeah. And they gave up, what was it, six runs in the bottom of the ninth and ended up, yeah, they were at Pepperdine. And so I think that this team is going to be really hungry coming into PK Park. And this could be one that sneaks up on the ducks that, you know, you're feeling really good about that win, those four straight wins against Lafayette and kind of, cruising in playing those teams and winning all four of those games in the fashion, in the, in the dominant way that you did. And it's just, this one could sneak up on the ducks if they don't take this opponent seriously in the Gauchos. Yeah.
0: Santa Barbara's ranked coming into this game. I think they're 24th in the country. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly the story here is like it's so funny because this is exactly what happened last year. Like the Ducks were scheduled to play Santa Barbara in a three game series. It's at happened Santa a River. lot,
1: really, to Santa Barbara. Like right. they really haven't been, been right. able to play, especially in the beginning of the season. They haven't been able to play on their home like, field so much. Like last
0: year, it was like a monsoon or something. There was some crazy rainstorm going on in Santa Barbara. So it got moved up here. Now it's the field conditions, obviously. But last year, Oregon was number 20 in the country. They were number 20th in the country in the rankings in. Like the D one baseball, there's so many baseball rankings. So I think it was D one baseball had them ranked number twentieth in the country going into that series last year. They got swept. It put them outside the rankings. Now the rules have kind of flipped. Santa Barbara's coming into this series ranked number twenty fourth in the country. Obviously, they've struggled to start the year. But Oregon, just outside the rankings, I feel like they're kind of working their way up there. They're six and one. Lafayette, like obviously, series that they had to sweep didn't really probably move them up anywhere in the I test when it comes to getting them ranked. But this is a huge series. If, if Oregon sweeps this series, you got to think that maybe they'll get maybe number 25 in the country, maybe number 24, or, or at least close to that going into conference play. So this is going to be a huge series for the Ducks just because they have their first look at a ranked opponent this year, and it's in Eugene. They're going to play a really, really good pitching staff. Mike Gutierrez, Tyler Bremner, Reed Mooring, Matt Agger. these are all guys that came into PK Park last year and torched the Ducks, especially Mike Gutierrez. Like I, I'm, I, you got to imagine that he's going to be the Friday starter for this team, and he looked really good against the Ducks last year. I, think I, I, I was looking at the stats the other day. I think he pitched in, in Game 2 of that series last year Mike Gutierrez got six or seven innings deep. He had upwards of 12 or 13 strikeouts, like two or three hits, one run. Or no, it was a shutout. He pitched a shutout through six or seven innings. He looked really, really good. So it's the same guys in the pitching staff that the Ducks are going to face this year that they faced last year. And this is just a huge opportunity for this team moving forward to get a ranked, a series win against a ranked team, number 24 in the country this is going to be a huge booster for them going into conference play.
1: It really will. And then, I mean, this is the second to last series before they take on Arizona state in a few weeks. So, I mean, like you said, it's, it's going to provide, you know, a lot of confidence and we're going to see how the ducks respond after their, their sweep over Lafayette. But I I have a lot of confidence in the rotation, everything coming up. I think this team is definitely trending in the right direction. We're going to step aside for our first break of the show. When we come back though, we're talking about some Oregon softball. And then later on, Osnoda going to join us live from Matthew Knight to Preville The women's basketball-Cal matchup tonight tip-off at 7 o'clock right here on 88.1 FM. But we'll step aside. Keep it right here. Quack Smack, Thursday edition.
2: KWVA. KWVA.
3: Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info.
4: United Help Ukraine is a Maryland-based nonprofit that offers humanitarian aid and medical
2: support to Ukrainian soldiers and their families. United Help Ukraine organizes demonstrations in Washington, D.C., advocating for Ukrainian independence and protesting unlawful action taken by Russia. More information about their work can be found at UnitedHelpUkraine.org.
3: For over 50 years, Help Heal Veterans has utilized recycled materials to create, manufacture and distribute art therapy kits that help vets deal with pain management, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and many other challenges. Our kits help veterans find sustainable wellness in their lives. We are proud to help those who served our country. Our mission is to help our veterans. To learn more, go to healvets.org. That's healvets.org. Sponsored by Help Heal Veterans.
4: Hey there, this is Ryan Roulard, former KWVA sports director, class of 2016, and you're listening to Eugene's best sports station, KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM.
1: I like that back music. Why has that never come out before? Do you know which one this is? <laughs> Number eight. I gotta Number pick eight. this. This is nice. I like this. There's a lot of music that I just have Are just not numbered. Are yeah. all the
0: back musics just numbered? Nope. Yeah, they're all numbered. We gotta all all start numbered.
1: naming them. I, I know we we do need to start We're naming them. Make some I names. I uh, this,
0: one,
2: this one's called Sol's favorite.
1: Yeah. No, I mean this is
0: let's just title it Sol's favorite. I
1: like that one. I do. I, I there's so many back <laughs> music that I love. I love the back <laughs> music more than the 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 out music that we have. But I mean we we just have a lot of good ones. We we definitely need some more. But I, that one right there. I've that never heard clean. that one. That was clean. Uh, welcome back to QuackSmack. You're on 88.1 FM, Thursday edition. So we will go on alongside Isaac Duby and Max Riegel. We just talked about some Oregon baseball. They swept Lafayette this past weekend. And now we'll move on to some Oregon baseball because they just kicked off their home opener this weekend. Actually, today – over Mount St. Mary's a little bit of a change in the schedule this weekend was supposed to be the well it still is the Jane Sanders classic but some things got moved around Florida State dropped out of the tournament and that kind of shifted the schedule around so now Oregon ended up taking Mount St. Mary's a little earlier than they were supposed to they weren't supposed to start until six o'clock tonight they ended up playing game one of, of what was supposed to be a doubleheader at 12 30 they were able to get that game in they won that game 17 to nothing and then the second game ended up getting canceled because of the rain and the bad weather. A lot of things shifting around. Was
0: it canceled or or postponed?
1: I think it was canceled because they said they wouldn't play it. So, yeah, Oregon's going to play St. Mary's again tomorrow. Then they're going to play Maryland at 1 o'clock, and then Mount St. Mary's is going to stay here. And then Washington is also coming down along with Maryland. Maryland and Washington are playing up right now in Seattle uh, due to the bad weather. So they're going to play today. I believe that Washington won both games over Maryland I'll have to double check that, and then Saturday, Mount Saint Mary versus Maryland at ten o'clock. Oregon versus Maryland at twelve thirty, and then Mount Saint Mary's versus Washington. Uh, a lot of changes for sure, but you know this is what happens. You know with the yeah. uh, you know <clears throat> spontaneous weather
2: here in Eugene. Uh, it's it's not looking too good but even today too it's also what happens when a team drops out of the tournament yeah (laughs) i mean (laughs) all all together i know why Uh, is this
0: classic kind of kind of falling apart right in front of our eyes the 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 weather is torching it now florida state dropped out like yeah it's kind of gone downhill i mean even today too like
1: the game was halted twice due to a rain delay i mean it wasn't more than i think like 15 minutes but still i mean a, a, a pass i mean it's just you know it's it's really really tough but Looks like the Ducks were able to respond. They were able to take down St. Mary's in the first game of the tournament, seventeen nothing. They really just didn't have any problem at all um, with Mount St. Mary's. But uh, kind of moving away from that, just looking at the tournament as a whole because we haven't really got a chance to discuss this tournament. Uh, no Florida State. You know it, it, they were going to be probably the toughest team that yeah. Oregon was going to face up to this point. You know they've had some tough games against. Clemson against Baylor against Nebraska, like they've played a lot of top ranked teams, but this was definitely going to be their toughest challenge. Now that Oregon is not going to be end up playing them, they will play them next year. But you know, it was a really key opportunity for the Ducks to potentially either add a win to their a huge win to the resume, or try to you know add a, a really good game uh, onto the record so far. I mean, No. Florida State now, how does this thing change for the Ducks? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing?
0: I think it's a really bad thing as of right now just cuz the Ducks have dropped so many close games against big teams that they really had a lot of chance they had multiple chances at winning. I talked about it a lot last night. Oregon has really struggled with runners and scoring position this year. They've left they've left a, left a plethora of runners on base like in the Nebraska game alone last weekend they left 10 runners on base and Oregon has at the beginning of the year they've done this against big Power 5 teams that can boost their resume with a win, like even a one-run win against teams like Indiana or Clemson those te- or Texas A&M. Those, those, those games give you a big resume booster, especially when you're 9-7 and seven at, as, at a spot where this this team really doesn't want to be there ranked in the top 25 coming into the year. Florida State was going to be a huge opportunity to boost that resume and beat a big, a big Power 5 team. Florida State, I think, is number 12 in the country right now. Yeah, they're high be, up there. I that mean, was going to be a huge game for the Ducks. Mm-hmm. So, losing, losing that, like, really hurts the opportunity of building your resume, especially going into conference play. We're going to talk about the Ducks going into conference play, but they start with Cal at home. Cal's 16-1. and one. They've been absolutely torching the ball over the place. They have great, a great starting pitching staff. Cal has looked absolutely great. So, to go into that series starting conference play with a win over a top-15 team would have been huge for the Ducks. And to lose Florida State, like, Florida State really didn't have anything to lose. Florida State... They lose. They lose to Oregon. They lose to. They were gonna play Oregon and Washington here. If they lose both those games, so what? They can move forward and have a good conference play. But if they beat those two games, they, if they beat Oregon and beat Washington on the road, flying across the country, that just boosts their resume even more. So it was a really big missed opportunity all around for a lot of teams, especially Florida State, Oregon, and Washington, the three biggest teams in the tournament that looked to have that looked to have postseason aspirations. Florida State dropping out, you know, we don't know the reasoning behind it. There's yeah. no like, ofi- nothing officially has been posted as to like why they, they're not coming to Eugene, but huge missed opportunity all around for three really big schools right now in the softball rankings.
2: Yeah, I think the main thing, and it's, it's really tough when you're anticipating playing this tough team in Florida State, how flustering it is now that you're not playing them, and they're finally—you thought that they would have an opportunity to get some momentum at home and kind of get into their routine of being at home and playing a bunch of games on the weekend and then playing a really tough team in Florida State later on, and that ends up not happening. And, um, you know, luckily, they're still playing well. They beat—I mean, they beat St. Mary's and dominated St. Mary's as they should uh, today. So uh, it's—I completely agree. It's It's just a tough— uh, tough way to kind of see this tournament kind of fall apart but not completely i mean not
0: completely, still, not completely. Still, i mean they're they're a still couple.
1: making it work shout out to to the um you know the staff at Quack Video and and everybody else working for the Oregon Communications Department that they've been able to work around this tournament cuz it, it it's tough like bringing in all these teams even though one dropped i mean switching everything
2: around it's it's a tough job got to give them oh, a yeah. lot of props on and, the fly
0: too like yeah. they've been killing it yeah
2: and i mean one thing is I was thinking about, like, what what would happen and how would it work if UW and UO played, like, yeah. in, in the tournament? And it could have been some sort of adjustment that they made, but since they canceled it, like, what, like two days ago, it would have been really tough to kind of come up with that adjustment on the fly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation, and I think there's good and bad out of Florida State dropping out. Especially looking at this from the UO perspective, obviously you would have loved to see... Washington and Florida State oh, play like that was going to be the biggest game of the weekend for yeah. sure I mean that were two of the top teams in the country like everyone was going to be coming in to watch that game but also I mean Oregon and Florida State's a really good matchup as well Oregon you know if you if this if Florida State would have dropped out a few weeks ago okay maybe it was a bit of sigh relief for for Oregon just because okay now they don't have to play a top-ranked team but now with kind of the resume that they built they haven't really had a lot of good wins that you know in their record so far they you know they still have a winning record 10 7 but they haven't done so well against ranked opponents and even though they're still ranked at number 25 you know there's been I some know. questions as to you know whether or not you know whether they should be in 25 this team
0: this team could easily be a 13 win team right now they've they've dropped i think about 3 or 4 of these games against power 5 schools that they really had chances at winning late in the game and to lose the Florida State one, just huge lose, huge loss to the resume. Opportunity. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it definitely. Even if they didn't win that game, if they if it was anywhere close, it probably would have done them a lot more good than bad. You know, if they were just not playing that game at all. So it really is unfortunate, but it's still a really good tournament. Maryland is coming in. They're not exactly the uh, a great team this year. Five and eleven. They did have a pretty close game with UCLA in the second game of the year. They lost five to six, and then also they beat LMU eight to one. Uh, you know, a team that Oregon kind of struggled against. So really this Maryland team, even though they're not having too much success as far as record, they're still a pretty good team overall. And Oregon's going to end up taking them twice on Saturday. So it's going to be interesting to see how, um, how Oregon is able to respond after the blowout today against Mount St. Mary's uh, still looking at this from like a, a whole tournament perspective. You know, obviously we're looking forward to to Florida state and, and Washington. On Friday, but is there any other matchups that you guys are kind of looking forward to with this tournament, even despite uh, the Seminoles dropping out?
0: I'm excited to see Washington play, man. Like any, anybody, Washington's going to play top five team in the country. They're in the conference. They're in the same conference as the Ducks. The Ducks, I think, are going to play them in Seattle later this year. So, just to watch Washington play at the Jane and just to see what they do, just to see their pitching staff and what they do with their lineups. I was I'm I'm really excited to watch that. Just any opportunity you get to watch a top five team in the country. Play on your home field and play against teams that they're probably going to beat up on a little bit. That's going to be that's going to be fun to watch and it's going to be it's going to be some it's going to be a good experience.
2: I don't want to I don't want to overlook this Maryland team. Yeah, they're a little, yeah, bit, they're you a little don't. bit they're a little bit sneaky underrated, mm-hmm. especially since you know they had that game. They had two games against Washington and one they lost eight to nothing in five innings, and in the second one they actually in the back to back doubleheader came right back and ended up losing by only 2 runs in an 8 to 6 loss. So, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, they could there might be an op- a possibility for them to kind of fight in that game against Oregon and against the Ducks. So, they're not really a team to overlook. They they could get sneaky and either put up a good fight against Oregon or um cuz they obviously did against one of the top 5 teams in the nation.
1: Yeah, the Maryland matchups is definitely going to be Probably the next two like bigger matchups of this tournament that Oregon was going to go through. I mean, we saw it against Mount St. Mary's that they just didn't have any problem with them. And I don't see them. I mean, it was unfortunate that the second game got canceled, but they're going to play them again tomorrow to start off uh, the Friday. And then they're going to move on to Maryland later on the afternoon. So I don't really see them having a problem with Mount St. Mary's. But like you said, Isaac, I mean, even though Maryland doesn't have exactly a good record, they're still a pretty sneaky team. And, you know, if they can, you know, when they want to compete, they'll compete and they'll make it close um, with any team that you know, was willing to put up a fight. So I'm really excited for that Maryland matchup. And kind of looking ahead to conference, because this is going to be the last uh, non-conference tournament that the Ducks end up playing at. Really just looking at these past three weekends and everything that you've seen so far, do you guys think that this team is ready for conference play just based off, you know, the close games they've had with top-ranked teams, kind of the the games they've had with non-ranked teams? Like, well, where do you guys think this team is heading into conference play?
0: I think, I think their record... I think they're a lot better than what their record shows. They're nine and seven over five hundred, but this team has aspirations to be a lot better than that. And they've gotten really unlucky with runners in scoring position. They've gotten really unlucky in the games that they've played against good Power Five teams. And I think that that luck's going to turn. And I think we're going to see a lot better than nine and seven moving forward to start conference play. They get Cal at the Jane to start conference play. Cal sixteen and one. They've been really hot throughout the. They've been really hot throughout the Pac twelve to start this year. And they're, they're number three in the Pac-12 in run score. They've scored 110 runs over their 17 games. So if they, can, if they can sweep this weekend, continue to beat St. Mary's the way they are, and if they can beat Maryland, like, like if they can substantially beat Maryland, that's going to boost their resume too because Maryland, like we've said, is a sneaky team. And if they can do that and then go into conference play strong and beat California at home at the Jane – the ducks are going to be on on track to continue a good season and kind of shift the narrative that they have right now of oh this team can't really hit with runners in scoring position to start the year this team doesn't capitalize at the end of the game when it's a close one and they have runners in scoring position to tie the game or take the lead uh-huh. and I think that's a big I think that's the luck factor right now I think the ducks have gotten a really unlucky especially on the base paths and I just I believe that's going to switch I think it's going to switch this weekend I think we're going to continue to see performances from the ducks like we saw today and. I think they're going to go into conference play hot, and they're going to win the series against California at home to start the se- to start conference play.
2: Yeah, I was I was a little bit um, concerned about this team about some of the inconsistencies. That that Nebraska game from last week kind of um, kind of stands out to me in particular. Just not getting any runs or and giving up uh, giving up six runs and kind of that uh, disparity in score compared to some of the teams you played in where you were competitive against Notre Dame and beat them. And so some of the games on the resume, that Nebraska one kind of snuck up on them. And I, I don't know, that that kind of uh, makes me feel that this team maybe isn't inconsistent. But I think that they have a real opportunity, especially when you play this Cal team. You know, this Cal team is not considered really one of the better teams in the Pac-12. Um, they kind of They kind of sit at the bottom as far as the rankings go of the, I'd say, in the bottom three teams. So I think that if you can come out and if you can dominate in that game, um, or I'm sorry, in that series, and then um, going into this Utah team, which is a completely different team because they're one of the top teams in the Pac-12. So I think that if you can dominate against Cal and stay competitive against Utah, I think it it, it can really um, set you up for the rest of the season and just show that they can hang around with the best of them, and especially... In the conference, which is obviously the most important uh, teams you'll play all year. Yeah, I mean, we knew that that
1: coming in the conference is going to be the main thing. I mean, obviously, it would have been nice to get wins against uh, you know Clemson and and Nebraska and some of these top ranked teams, but ultimately, conference is what's going to decide whether the Ducks, you know, where they end up getting placed and how far they're going to make it to Oklahoma. So uh, I'm really interested to see where this team ends up when they going into conference play. I mean, the, the, the pitching has been so good, and I think it was on display today. Stevie Hanson, just unbelievable uh, in the circle today. The hitting has also been really good, but it's just been these close games that Oregon just hasn't been able to finish. But, you know, I think the, the beginning of conference play is going to give them a good chance to, you know, be in those close games and see how they're able to finish. Um, it's just a, such a fun time softball and baseball so much fun i I love this time of the year we'll step aside for a quick break when we come back though austin oda joins us live from matthew knight to preview the women's basketball matchup over cal tip off at seven o'clock he'll have the call but he's going to join us right after this break keep it here on 88.1 fm
2: kwva kwva
3: Hey, it's Mike Rowe, and I've got gas. Natural gas, that is. It comes to me through a series of pipes buried in the ground. Pipes that all too often get damaged by people who dig before calling 811. This causes real problems for millions of Americans like me who rely on natural gas to heat their homes and cook their food, but it's even worse for the people who hit the gas lines. Well, here's the good news you don't have to be one of those people. Just call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info.
2: Students, when I call the
3: reason for your absences throughout the years, please exit the auditorium without your high school diploma. Too tired, family trip, sick day, starting the holidays early. Starting in the sixth grade, students who miss 18 days or more of school in a year for any reason will fall behind and risk not graduating high school. How many days of school has your child missed this year? Absences add up. Keep track at boostattendance.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ed Council.
4: Hi, this is Zach Bigley, former assistant sports director and current minor league baseball broadcaster, and you're listening to the KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM.
1: Another great song, comeback song. <laughs> where are you finding these, Isaac? I really think you have a back. I just on fire. I'm that, pulling them all out. I'm pulling them all out. I really feel out. like I'm you just have a, a, a playlist back there um, of songs. But, you know, I don't know. We're going to have to have a conversation later about where you find those. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Quack Smack here on 88.1 FM. So we'll go on alongside Isaac Duby and Max Rago. Talked about some Oregon baseball and Oregon softball. And now we're going to talk about some Oregon women's basketball. And guess who we have here? Austin Oda. Austin, how are we doing?
3: And Gavin
0: Carpenter. And
1: Gavin Carpenter. <laughs> you can even. Oh, my God. Such a lot of. Austin, you know, I was joking earlier that I didn't realize. I forgot it was Thursday. Um, and usually the director show is on Thursday. And then I realized, wait, no directors. That's why I brought you on, really, is to make this a director right, show. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. At, at least get the name a sec. Say continued. In, in two weeks, like, you're going to fill in. It's gonna, you're going to have the official director show spot. And yeah. then it's going to be you and I and Knight will be traveling like 90% of the time.
1: The funny thing too is, like, Knight can join us from the road. He just chooses not to. But, right, but,
4: right. It's the it's the level of commitment that that I bring to this to be on site and still still hanging on. Quite
1: I time I, time. I love it. I love the commitment and you know just uh, I mean right now a big matchup for women's basketball tonight. You'll be on the call for for eighty eight point one FM. But uh, you know, looking at kind of last weekend, Oregon they got swept by the Washington schools two games where they're kind of you know were expected to win or you know be a little more competitive than they actually were i mean what are you looking for tonight against cal in the, the second matchup
4: yeah I, I mean i think that was the big thing is oregon wasn't I, I don't know if you can say they were expected to win either of those games but it was a breather and that, that was the big thing is after playing that that stretch of six straight ranked teams they they play an okay washington team an okay washington state team two teams that are kind of in a tumble in the same way that oregon is and I think there were a lot of positives in those games you know you stick within 10 for the most part you're up for the most part against Washington and Washington State before they go on late runs and that's kind of just the theme that we've seen throughout the year from this Oregon team when they play other teams that don't have their two starting their three or four best players play 35 to 40 minutes a game the wear and tear isn't there at the end of the season at the end of games and so Marquete can can play 35 minutes against Oregon, Oregon and still be fresh game. at the the end of that 35 you can have all of Washington be in that game still and, and be 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 rowdy at the end of the games and Oregon just felt like they died down a little bit, but yeah. I mean, Gavin, what are you what are you looking for tonight?
5: Yeah, no, 100%. And the thing, the big difference for me between the two games against Washington, Washington State, and then this game against Cal, this game has one big advantage for the Ducks. They are at home, and while the record has not looked particularly good, 11 and 18 overall, 2 and 14 in conference, they are 8 and 4 at home. They've played significantly better at home. Part of that was because of the early non-conference games, but part of that is also because the crowd here is one of the best crowds in college basketball and women's college basketball. This team has an opportunity today to take what they've learned both from the two games against Washington and Washington State as well as that stretch of ranked teams, all of these losses to very high quality teams and say, okay, what can we do? What can we put? All of these lessons we've learned together and what can we do against a team of a similar caliber? If they were able to pull out the win today, this would be a very solid win i think that looking at this game you've got to focus on two things one is rebounds and two is turnover margin in the first game cal was able to pick up a massive advantage in terms of rebounds specifically offensive rebounds which you wouldn't necessarily expect for a team like oregon who has a significant height advantage down to the paint both kennedy basham and philip Che, 6 7 and 6 8 respectively three to four inches taller than anybody that cal has on their roster second thing for oregon they've got to limit the turnovers cal usually plays 2-3 zone they get a little. Frisky grabbing for that ball, they create a lot of turnovers. That's something that the Ducks have also struggled with down the stretch in the last 10, so, 10 or so games. They really need to work on controlling that ball sure they don't give the, Bear, the Golden Bears any extra opportunities because they really have a shot to make a statement as to this is what we've learned. This is what we can do. We can kind of turn this around. Stanford's going to be a very tough ass, but they're coming into the Pac-12 tournament. They can try and do that with a little bit of momentum and they have an opportunity here as long as they can hold it together, keep the turnovers low, and rebound well, they have a really strong opportunity to win this game.
1: Gavin, we talked about, you know, rebounding a little bit, and a big part of that has been Filipina Che. Like, she, especially last weekend, too, even though the Ducks lost both games against Washington, she had double-doubles in both games. Like, she has definitely been the bright spot for this team. Uh, you know, what do you guys think can the Ducks expect out of her tonight?
5: Yeah, no, 100%. And realistically, you've got Che needs to Che, realistically, you need to look for a double-double for Che. The main goal needs to be feeding the paint, both to Basham and to Che. Basham with 14, 15 points last two games. Che also very strong performances. Che needs to, that needs to be the anchor of this team, realistically. They've got a strong height advantage. They need to work on the rebounds. A lot of the ability for this team, this Ducks team, to come in and win today at Matthew United Arena is going to be surrounded around that rebounding game and that paint game. They have an advantage there. They really need to take advantage of
1: that ability to score in the paint. Austin, back to you. I mean, you were there last time the Oregon played Cal. It it really wasn't, you know, it was kind of a closer matchup. Oregon ended up losing that game over the the Golden Bears. And a big part of that was Marta Suarez and Iona Kimiro. They combined for 40 points of of Cal's 66 that they scored that game. I, I mean, you know, are they, what do you expect from them tonight?
4: Yeah, Marcia Suarez Suarez and Miwano Cremili, both of them are are really, really talented players, and and they do it in in all facets of the game. They they go with the high pick and roll a lot. Suarez is someone who is a monster on the rebounding end. Uh, The numbers don't show up, but she did really well against Oregon. The other player that really played well against the Ducks last time, Michelle Onya, who came off the bench uh, the last time the Ducks played, but was really good in that aspect, a rebounding monster. She was great last time. The offensive rebounds were huge for Cal. And that's really, that, w- that was really di- the difference. Creamily shot a lot. They weren't great shots. They weren't the most efficient shots. But when you're as good a, 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 as a basketball player as these Division One basketball players are, you take shots, you're going to hit some of them. That's been the big discrepancy for the Ducks all year, that for most of the games, the other team is shooting more shots. They got about 50 extra possessions based on turnovers, uh, based on offensive rebounds the last time these two teams played. We forget Oregon was up after three quarters. Oregon was... C- cemented in the game through three-quarters of basketball. Grace Van Sluten gets hit, has to miss a, g- a good part of the fourth, and that's kind of where they, they ended up falling against Cal. But Ioana C- Camilli and Marta Suarez, both really big options for this Cal team.
1: Austin Oda and Gavin Carpenter are going to be on the call in about 12 minutes or so at live from Matthew Knight Arena. Catch them here on 88.1 FM. Austin and Gavin, thank you guys so much for joining us. and. Uh, We'll send it over to you guys in about 11 minutes.
4: Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Appreciate Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: So women's basketball are going to be taking on the Cal Golden Bears in this second-to-last matchup of the season. They're going to take on Stanford as well on Saturday to finish out the season. And then next week, it's on to Vegas for the final Pac-12 tournament that Oregon is going to be a part of. Definitely going to be a tough one. Oregon probably going to be playing on that first day. Well, they will be playing on that first day in one of those earlier matches uh, you know, right now the seeding is unsure. Probably going to be against UCLA or, you know, maybe against Arizona, I believe. I'm uh, not exactly sure yet. Yeah, we're going to see how the Stanks finish out. I will say that if Oregon wins today and if Arizona State loses, I believe, the next two games and they end up tying, Oregon does have the tiebreaker over them because – Oregon beat Arizona State earlier in the year. So that's actually something to look forward to that the Ducks might not finish in last place, which hmm. I think for this team this year is that's a win. It's a win. It definitely could be a win. But now we'll transition over into Oregon men's basketball because they had an unbelievable game over their in-state rival, Oregon State, last night. They won 78-71. to Really, I-, I think it was one of the best games that Oregon has played down the stretch Kwame Evans Jr., what else can you say? 22 points. He really – I almost think that this was his breakout game. He's been struggling a little bit. And, I mean, even though he was kind of part of that group that played a lot of minutes when, you know, Dante and Biddle were out, he really didn't shine too much. But last night he shined when uh, Oregon needed the most. He did really, really well. Same thing with Jermaine Kuznard, 16 points. Jackson Schellstatt and Dante both had 11 points apiece. I i think that last night the, the thing that made it for me so – Key for this game or that made it really dominant was the fact that it was a full team effort. There wasn't one guy who really came out. Uh, you can obviously make a case for Kwame Evans, but you still look at the rest of uh, the scorecard. Brendan Rigsby came off the bench with 14 points. Agent Tracy added four as well. It really, just everyone contributed to you know what might be well what, what is going to be the last matchup against Oregon State in the Pac-12. Not sure if it's going to be the last matchup ever but you know to get a clean sweep against your in-state rival it's got to feel pretty good especially for Oregon.
0: I mean, I think I think a huge I think something that I saw from the Ducks in this game that gave me a lot of hope going into the Pac-12 tournament because obviously the Ducks they're they're kind of starting to fall outside that bubble of an at-large bid but they're right there in the top four of the Pac-12 that will give them a bye in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament and give them a better shot at winning the Pac-12 tournament and getting that automatic big to the NCAA tournament. So in this game, a big thing for me was the the in-game adjustments the Ducks made defensively. Jordan Pope, he came out and was absolutely on fire. I, I believe he had 15 points, 17 points at halftime. They limit him to five or six points in the second half. He finishes the game with 22, and I feel like defensive and offensive adjustments in game is something that this team has struggled with down the stretch especially in the second half of the year they struggled with it last year and they struggle with it consistently but this second half of the season man they've come they've come into some close games against big teams games that they can win and they just don't make the correct adjustments on defense to double the guy that's got 25 or 30 points or you know switch switch jadrian tracy onto the better guy on the perimeter that's gonna that can hit threes so this was a huge. This was a huge defensive adjustment. Defensive adjustment the team made on Jordan Pope, and it was a big bright spot, especially going into the Pac-12 tournament, where those things are going to have to be made to beat teams like Arizona or Washington State again. You're going to have to make in-game adjustments to be good teams and win the Pac-12 tournament. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Oregon did against Oregon State, and it was really bright to see.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, it, sorry, we'll get to you and Isaac in a minute, but it felt, I just want to say, like you said, Jordan Pope. I mean, it felt like he would, you know, can make everything pretty much, especially oh, yeah. in those first ten minutes. Like he, I think I saw a tweet that he had eight points in his first like few shots. I don't think
0: I think he made his first like seven or eight. Seven you know, or I don't, eight I don't shots. think he missed in the first half. I yeah. think he missed his first shot with like 10 minutes left to go in the second half.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was definitely on. And I think that's something, too, that Oregon really has gotten unlucky with is they've had these stretch of games where they've lost them. But really, it was because they've had that one star player. Or they, they faced yeah. that opponent where they've had that star player just completely go off. But luckily, they were able to handle themselves and still come out with a victory, even though Jordan Pope went off. I yeah, think. that's
2: exactly what happened when they played Arizona yeah. the last time. And Caleb Love kind of came on. No, that's exactly right. Um, the main the two main things I I saw, and it's kind of reiterating what um what Max said, but the two things one is that five ducks made double digits, so kind of sharing the scoring and that the freshman Kwame Evans was really able to kind of shine through, lead the ducks in scoring. They gave him the ball a lot throughout the game and they just kept feeding the hot hand, ended with twenty two. Um, and the main thing that I was kind of worried about this team, and I've mentioned this on QuackSmack before, is how they don't play their best defensive effort in the end of in the end of games. And like Max said, it's it's those adjustments that they made, but it's also the effort. It's also um, not allowing them to score when they're and, and just being being smarter, um, p- playing a little bit harder on the defensive end and not letting, like you said, uh, Pope score as easily as he did in that second half. And so saving their best efforts defensively and overall towards the end of games and end up getting a seven-point win instead of what most games where it's looked like this where Oregon has held the lead for most of the game. These end up being like four or three or two-point wins for for the Ducks typically where they just find ways to hang on. It felt like towards the end of this game, Oregon had a pretty firm grasp on this one.
0: Oregon has consistently struggled to play full games defensively, it feels like. Like, whenever they built like, it happened, it they almost it got really close at the end of this Oregon State game, because Oregon, I, they went up by 11 with like two minutes left, and then just started playing super slow. Oregon State came down, hit two quick threes, and just like that, it's a five-point game, and you're back in scramble mode. So, for Oregon, it's just about keeping your foot on the gas pedal, defen- foot on the gas pedal defensively, and not letting teams get back into it when it's a 10 to 11 point game. Because Oregon can go, they can find themselves against any team up by six, seven, eight points. But then at the end of the game, when there's three minutes left, just the defensive tenacity kind of falls off a little bit. And that's been a consistent problem. It was a consistent problem last year. And this team, time's running out. The tournament run is about to start. If you want a shot at the NCAA tournament, that defensive tenacity has to be 40 minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the NCAA tournament. I mean, right now the Ducks, they're in third place in the Pac-12 standings. And, uh, you know, from what I've read, they're they're still in the conversation. I, I think that the resume, especially after last night's huge win over Oregon State, it helped them out. It was definitely a must win. Uh, you know, it, it didn't help that they lost the game to Cal and then a few weeks ago to Washington State. Those are two games that, you know, probably should have been victories or at least would have helped out a lot with their resume. But and now they, they turn the, their attention to Arizona, who, you know, it's going to be a lot tougher to beat this Arizona team just because they've had a lot more experience. And now instead of playing them in Eugene and their own, you know, in their own stadium, now they're going to be going to Arizona and playing them there, which, playing in Tucson Arizona is not fun. I can tell they, you that. Much. They got a
0: ruckus home crowd. I don't know the name of their stadium, I don't but know that thing, either. that place is built and it, when it's when they when they see of white that thing when they, when they when they do the Arizona white out in that basketball arena, it's it's like a top three electrifying atmosphere in college basketball. It's, it looks scary to play It's really cool. But and last year, the Ducks, Azulis Tabelas dropped 40 points on the Ducks last year at Arizona, and it was just a loud stadium. So it's a little scary to see them go back into that environment, but you got to believe that with the way the team is heading right now that they can win that game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you guys both mentioned it, that— really this team has kind of struggled playing four, four I want to say four quarters but they play two halves but we'll say four quarters just <laughs> 40 minutes 40 minutes they struggle playing 40 minute games and I think that's really been kind of the thing that that's been the reason that they've lost some of these games that they should have won against Washington State and against Cal is that they just kind of lose their footing a little bit either you know beginning of the second half end of the first half like they just don't really come out with that same intensity in both halves. And it's it's hard, too, because they don't have the depth that they used to have, obviously, with no Nate Biddle and now, you know, no Keyshawn Bartholomew. They don't have that, those bench guys. So it really is going to take a lot out of their bench coming down the stretch. But it's going to be up to the starters to see, you know, how how they can set the pace from the early going. Because, obviously, you don't want to play Dante 40 minutes. You don't want to play Kwame 40 minutes. You don't want to play Shelstead 40 minutes. Like, you want to make sure that those guys get really good minutes when they're in because they're not going to be able to play the whole game. So that way, if you do have to turn to your bench at some point, they're up by a good amount, and they're able to set the tempo. They know what the pace is like, and they'll be able to, you know, ultimately just keep that same intensity the entire game. I think that's going to be really key. It's three key matchups now. I think Arizona is going to be the biggest one. But, you know, Colorado, they lost them early in the year. Same thing with Utah. Obviously, they're going to be playing at UGN home. But these next three games are just super big. I think that if they go 3-0, and they could definitely be inside the bubble in the tournament. You know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see, um, you know where this team's up. You know, real quick, we got about a minute. How do you guys think that, um, this team is gonna fare this weekend against Arizona?
0: I think, honestly, it's gonna a lot of things are gonna to have to go right for the Ducks. They're gonna to have to play a perfect game because Oregon struggles from the three point line. They struggled last night from the three point line against Oregon State, but they were able to hold on for the win with the defense and the point paints. But this team consistently struggles from three-point line. They just they shoot around 10 to 20% per game from the three. That's not going to cut it against Arizona just because of how fast Arizona is. Arizona's offense is so quick. I, ex- I, I I was telling Griffin and Jason last night, I think Arizona's going to score upwards of 20 points in transition in this game because the Ducks play so slow on offense. They play a little slow on defense, and Arizona's just going to speed them up. So Oregon's going to have to shoot good from three, and they're going to have to keep the t- defensive tenacity for 40 minutes and just keep – hanging with the pace of Arizona the whole game.
2: I really think that the key to this game is keeping Caleb Love in check. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're able to do that, you can fight and you can stay in this game. Keep it close um, and maybe play to your tempo instead of just letting their star players and Caleb Love um, just dominate the game.
1: Yeah, you're right. Shellstad, definitely going to have to start shooting. And same thing with Love. You're going to keep him in check. It's going to be a fun weekend for sure. Last, Well, one of the last games... Oregon's going to play this year against Arizona. But so many Oregon teams competing this weekend. That's going to do it for all here tonight. Uh, for myself, Saul Gavon alongside – well, actually, for Max Regel and Isaac Duby, I'm Saul Gavon saying so long here from QuackSmack. But don't go anywhere, though. Austin Oda and Gavin Carpenter are at Matthew Knight for tonight's women's basketball matchup versus Cal. So stay tuned for that on the other side of this break here on 88.1 FM.
2: KWVA. KWVA.
1: K-W-V-A.
4: Like what you're listening to? Want to be a part of the flagship station of numerous Oregon sports? Interview duck athletes and have a hand in the media scrum? Then look no further than the very station you're listening to, KWVA 88.1 FM. Email sports at kwvaradio.org, DM our Instagram at kwvasports, or head down to the station itself next to Bartolotti's located on the bottom floor of the EMU to find out more.
3: Oregon women's basketball will face off against Cal and Stanford in the final weekend of Pac-12 regular season play.
4: With three, screen to the right, steps back with one, fadeaway jumper, good! Chance Gray makes magic happen. It's the triple.
3: The Ducks look to bounce back from a difficult weekend and end the season strong. Chance Gray, Filipina Che, and Grace Van will try and help catapult this team heading into the Pac-12 tournament.
4: Crosses left, steps back, drives inside, right hand layup, off glass and in. It's it over to Chamberlain, right wing. She'll take a triple and connect. Rua Chamberlain.
3: Now let's bring it to Matthew Knight Arena with Austin Oda on the call.
4: Maxwell facing off one last time in the regular season, both of them moving to new places next year. It's the Oregon Ducks. It's the California Golden Bears. One last time inside Matthew Knight Arena, these two teams have a. T-